As the real estate sales market slows, more and more real estate sales agents are thinking of adding property management as a new service offering to their business. The idea is, gosh, I can't sell real estate as hot as it was selling previously. I know I'll just offer property management services to my clients. It's a pretty easy add-on, and in many cases it is. But if you're adding property management to an existing real estate business, what are the steps you need to go through to create that property management as a self-sustaining business? I'm gonna share with you the 13 steps every company must do in order to create that as an add-on business. After that, we're gonna take two questions. We're gonna hear from an individual on how to price out and bid management of a multifamily property. Have some thoughts about that. And someone else asks about how to improve the dynamics of their internal team. Here we go. So you're starting a property management business and you don't know where to begin. Let me share with you the 13 steps, and we're gonna go fast, that you need to put in place before you can open your doors, before you can take that first account. So let's start at the very, very beginning. Pretend you do not know what you need to have in place. So step number one is to check with your state regarding licensing requirements. Every state is different and unique in the licensing requirements they have in place. Did you know there are some states where you need no licensing whatsoever to start, to operate, to run a property management company. It's kind of crazy, but it's true. There are other states, Colorado, for example, where I am, that are very highly regulated. You have to pass an exam. You have to have a real estate license. There are other states where you have to have a specific property management license in order to practice property management. So number one, Check with your state to ensure you meet the legal licensing requirements. Step number two, determine your ownership entity. Now, this is not tax advice. This is not legal advice. But you can decide you want to set up your business as an LLC, as an S-Corp, as a C-Corp. You have to make that determination and then register that entity with your state. Now, what I see most often is companies are either LLCs or S-Corps, uh, C-Corp, probably not the best way to structure property management business because you're paying double taxation, but I do not want to put you to sleep with tax information, but you've got to determine how you want to structure that. If you're a partnership, you could create a partnership out of that as well, and then you register that entity with your state. We're making fast progress, aren't we? Number three, Contact an insurance agent to ensure you have the proper coverage for insurance. Now, some insurance coverages may be required by your state. So many states require E and O, which is errors and omissions coverage. And a lot of states, they will require that. The state themselves will say, if you're going to do real estate or if you're going to do property management, you must have errors and omissions insurance in place. So that's part of what you want to have. My recommendation on insurance coverages is max out. This is such a litigious business we are in. So find out the type of insurance you need to have in place to cover your business and whatever options you can get, that is money well spent. Hopefully you'll never need to tap into that, but the day you do, the day you need insurance, you're going to wish you had more. So it doesn't hurt to pay a premium, get that additional coverage. And then once you get the full coverage, my recommendation is add an umbrella 
a, li a liability umbrella on top of everything else, which in essence just extends the coverage you have in place for your business. Number four, determine your pricing plan. Basically, how much are you going to charge? Now, if you're a new PM business, you've never competed before, the easiest way to compete is, of course, to undercharge all of your competitors. It's not a very wise long-term plan. If that's what you have to do to break into the market, well, sometimes you have to do what you have to do to start a business. But you better change that very, very quickly. An, an unprofitable business model at scale is what? It's a scaled, unprofitable business. So you cannot start off losing money and think that if you just get bigger, you'll just magically become profitable. Now, certainly there is some scale that is necessary. Managing two doors, doesn't matter what you charge, you're not going to be profitable. So you do need scale. But if your business model as it relates to your fee doesn't make you a healthy profit margin, then you need to look at your business model. So be aware of what is being charged in your market. Our recommendation is often to find that as, as a new company and maybe go just underneath that a little bit because you do want to be an attraction point to new owner clients. Put that up on your website, but determine early on exactly what your pricing model is going to be. My recommendation as well is do not, oh please my friends, please, I beg of you, do not have a flat dollar amount management fee per month. That is a guaranteed way to drive yourself crazy and to go out of business. You have to keep up with inflation. And the only way to keep up with inflation in this business is to have a percentage-based management fee. I just, I, there's a lot of different ways to do business and I get it, but I do not believe a flat dollar amount management fee is a wise way to function a business for the simple reason it is not sustainable. My dad started our business in 1978. Imagine if he would have said, you know what, I'm just gonna do a flat-based management fee. And uh, I don't know, maybe the, I think the average rent in Denver in 1978 was like $250. So what if he said, well, gosh, you know, I'm just gonna charge 25 bucks a month. That's like 10% of the rent. That, that sounds pretty good, $25 management fee. And it would have been just fine, and it would not have made a difference at all in year one or year two. What about in year five, six, 10, 12, 20, 30, 40? How many fee increases would we have had to have done year after year after year to get to where we are today, which is having a strong, solid management fee as a percentage of the income? Because average rents in Denver over the last 45 years have gone from $250 to $2,500. I'm making that up. That's not hard data, but you get my point. So please do yourself a favor, have a percentage-based management fee. That's step number five. Step number six, prepare the lease agreement. Now you want to have your lease agreement created, reviewed, approved by a local state-specific real estate attorney. Don't go online and download some lease agreement and think you're going to start using that. Lease agreements are important. There are many clauses that they must contain, and depending on what state you're in, there are probably some clauses which they may not contain. Do you know what those are? So have an attorney prepare that specifically for you. Some states require that. Some states are 
a complete freebie, and you could actually download something off the internet, and your state would be just fine with it. But I recommend, because this is a legal document, you want to have an attorney prepare that lease agreement and review it at least annually for you. That's number six. Step number seven is get your website up and running. Now, as you're looking at your website, a couple thoughts. Number one, you want to pay special attention to the URL that you create. Ideally, you want a URL. The URL, if I've already lost you there, is the actual web address. Right? So for us, for our company, it's rentgrace.com. R-E-N-T-G-R-A-C-E, rentgrace.com. If I could go back in time to 1978 when we began, when the internet was invented a few years later, I would have gone online. I would have bought the URL denverpropertymanagement.com. I would have purchased that because that would become all the marketing we need. Because if somebody went to Google and they're looking for a property management company and they type in Denver Property Management, my website would come up because my URL would be the same as the search term. So ideally, if you're starting a business fresh, you want to have, if you're in one city, have the name of that city and then property management. Have that be your URL. It will do wonders for you as it relates to the marketing of your company and organic Google searches. Now, in most cities, that's no longer available. Every big city, Detroit, uh, San Diego, Wisconsin, property management, those have probably been purchased. You could always find out. Go on to uh, one of the internet search places. Go on to godaddy.com and you can start searching for those. If that's not available, which it's probably not, keep a URL that is easy and ideally, that's findable with your city name in there. That's just going to help you out. But don't have some long, crazy URL where people are going to mistype it every time. So that's the URL. And then you want to have a website. I do not recommend you make your own website. I do not recommend you find your uh, brother-in-law who's between jobs right now and have him create a website for you. You need to get this right. This is the place that your prospective owner clients are going to go before they determine they want to hire you. So it needs to look sharp. It needs to look professional. We recommend PMW, that stands for Property Manager Websites, propertymanagerwebsites.com. Uh, go to them. That's who we utilize. We are big fans. That's all they do. They are specialists in creating websites for property management companies. Big fan of PMW. Check them out. Tell them Mark sent you. Uh, let's see here. Number eight. Boy, we're making such fast progress. It sounds easy, doesn't it? I'm making it sound very easy to get a property management company off the ground. Let's remember, we're just putting the pieces in place that you need to have so that when that first client walks in and says, hey, here's the keys to my property. Will you manage it? You can say, yes, I can. So step number eight is ensure your trust accounting is in place. You need to have a trust account set up and you, that needs to be done properly. Now, a lot of this is state-specific as well. Different states have different levels of regulations on do they require trust accounts. Some states don't. You don't need a trust account. I think that's crazy not to have a trust account in place. But so many PMs fall down here. I would bet money that of all the people listening to this podcast, and yes, there are millions of you out there listening, I'm, I'm sure, to this exciting topic, Existing property managers 
probably 40% do not have a proper trust account in place. That's an that's an educated guess, and it is educated. I talked to a lot of PMs because your bank may or may not understand what a real estate trust account is. When they when your bank hears the word trust account, they think like a family trust. Oh, no problem. Yeah, just give us your trust docs, and we'll get that set up. That is not the same as a trust account for your real estate business. A trust account for your real estate business means you put other people's money in there. That's really what it means. And then you have to make sure you follow triple net or triple tie out processes to ensure it's always reconciled and in place. It's a very complicated process, but very important because you're dealing with other people's money. So go to your local bank, find out if they do real estate trust accounting. Most of them won't. If Enterprise Bank works in your area, that's who we use. That's who I would recommend. There's a handful of states they don't work in, but they work in most states. So if you need help with your bank trust account, that is hands down who you want to use. We'll we'll link to it, Enterprise Bank. Uh, They are the place to go for your property management trust accounting. They specialize in property management trust accounting. Reach out to them. Reach out to Allison and her team there. Tell them Mark sent you. They'll get you set up. Number nine, ensure your business operating accounting software is in place. When a tenant pays rent, how is that going to be done? Do you go onto an Excel spreadsheet? Do you just log it into QuickBooks? What accounting software do you want to use? Now, there's a lot of softwares out there in in the uh, marketplace for property management companies. Apparently, I wasn't planning on doing this, but I'm making recommendations all the way through this podcast on different softwares, so I'll make another one here. Uh, We use Rentvine, R-E-N-T-V-I-N-E, rentvine.com. We switched over to them a couple of years ago. Super happy with them. That is who I recommend. And the highest recommendation I can give anybody is to use them. That is the software we use for all of our accounting. It has tenant interface so tenants can pay their rent online. Tenants have a portal. We It's a full accounting platform. We can handle maintenance through that. Owners get paid through that. Owners log into their own portal and see their statements on there. It's a full suite as it relates to the software, but you need to have that in place so that you have a way for your tenants to pay rent and for you to close out your bank account. And your software should link to your trust account. So our RentVine software links to our trust accounts through Enterprise Bank. When we do something in RentVine, it automatically talks to our bank and all those things just magically work together. Number 10, you want to set up your legally appropriate trust accounts and business accounts with your local bank. That's the, I got ahead of myself. That's the linking of those accounts. You've got your trust account in place. You've got your software in place. Now you need to make sure they talk to each other, which is not hard at all, but it's an important step to make sure that when you do something in your software that is reflected in your bank statement. Number 11, start to get your vendors in place for maintenance. This can be a massive thing or it can be easy depending on how deep you want to take it. We recommend you have a vendor contract in place for dealing with vendors. And it's just going to be a basic contract that will talk about things such as when should they submit invoices to you? How often do you pay? What should they say or not say to tenants when they go out to the property? What is their what is your expectation on how quick they reach out to tenants to schedule? repair requests. 
So get your list of vendors in place early on so that when that first water heater goes out or that first plumbing issue happens, you're not scrambling to determine who you will use. As your business grows, your list of vendors will change and it will grow. That's a constant fluctuation in our business. It is very difficult to keep finding good quality vendors who show up on time, who have fair pricing and who do quality work. That's the three criteria you are looking for. Quality of work, timeliness, and competitive pricing. Once you find somebody who meets that criteria, sign them up, get them in your back pocket, start giving them business. Number 12, get your tenant screening software and your applicant screening process in place. Now this may run right through your software. So for us with Rentvine, they have a module that screens applicants. So when someone applies to rent a property, we kind of run them through that and we get their credit report and the transunion information and then we plug them into our applicant screening criteria to determine whether or not they're approved or declined. But you need to have a process for that. Whether it's fully automated or whether it's completely manual is up to you. Different screening softwares allow you to have different levels of control over that. But either way, you need to have a process so that when someone applies, you can plug them in and then spit out that approval or decline. Are we really to number 13? The time is flying by, my friends. Number 13, create and initiate your marketing plan. How are you going to get new owner clients? Now, in past podcasts, we've talked about that. We've talked about how to market, so I'm not going to go into detail on that at all right now. But you need to have a plan in place to make the phone ring, to make the email leads come in, whatever you want to do. Marketing is essential. So go back through, scroll through some of our other podcasts uh, that we've done. Jump on our pmbuild.com. We've got all sorts of stuff and training on marketing. Uh, episode nine, or if you haven't heard that one, was titled Stop Spending Money on Marketing, How to Grow Your Business for Free. There's a great one for you to go back and listen to on how to ensure that you're marketing properly to bring in the new leads. Now, every one of those things we talked about is really a major component. And everything has many sub bullet points underneath each of those things. But this can be your high level checklist. You are not ready to start managing properties until you have done those 13 things. If you want a copy of this, I don't know if we have this up on our website yet, jump on pmbuild.com under the document section there. We should have it there. Um, otherwise, drop me an email through pmbuild.com. Happy to send this out to you if we before we get it up on our website. But those are the specific steps every one of us must follow. Now, as you start growing your property management business, you're going to have your website where your owners go. Your owners are going to log in and see their statements and get their information. And your owners are going to want to know more information about their property than your software is able to tell them. It's going to want to, they're going to want to know, for example, what, what's the value of my home? today. Wouldn't it be great if there was a way that you could tell them the value of their home in real time and that would even take things into consideration like their mortgage? How much interest in principle did they pay in the last six months on their property? What's the value of their portfolio, whether it's one property, whether it's five properties, and could weave in things like expenses? Well, you can actually do that. That's where Blanket Homes comes into place. 
BlanketHomes.com has two amazing features. And to my knowledge, they're the only company out there doing this. Number one, they have an owner investors dashboard. That means your owner clients can log in right through your website. They can go in and they can view the financial information of their portfolio, see how much it's gone up in value over the last 12 months. This is going to help them think like a true investor. It pulls information from public records. It pulls information directly from your owner portal, from their owner portal to show the value of the property expenses. It's, it's unbelievable. I've had the demo with these guys. I'm super impressed. And the other thing that it does is it's an owner property marketplace. So when one of your current owners says, you know what, I think I want to sell. I think I want to sell my property. You can immediately say, okay, no problem. Let me see if I can find someone within our current owner network who wants to buy it. That's what you want. You want to sell that property to someone already in your network. You do that because now you will have a company-specific owner property marketplace. It pulls information on other off-market properties for sale in your market, and it lets you promote them to all of your owner clients. So you can keep listings in-house, get that sell to an existing owner, sell to from a current owner to an existing owner, and you keep the property. That's what they do. They're the owner investor dashboard and the owner property marketplace. They white label this so it looks like this is truly coming from your company. It's super amazing. It's all internal. You link to your software, blankethomes.com. We will put a link. Get a demo from these folks. I promise you will be impressed and it will help you keep clients in your portfolio. And even when they do sell, you can then keep that sale into your portfolio, blankethomes.com. All right, let's move on to our questions. Our first question comes from Joshua. Uh, Joshua says, Mark, how do I price, as well as pitch and win, a multifamily property? So Joshua is considering managing a multifamily property. And the question is, yeah, how do we price that? On the single family side of things, it's pretty straightforward. You have your percentage management fee. But if someone comes to you with a fourplex, a 10plex, a 20plex, a 50plex, a 100plex, and they says, I want you to manage this, do you just quote them the same percentage you quote for a single family? No, you, you can't do that. So how do you determine what management fee percentage to quote? It's a great question. My recommendation is simply this. You're going to reverse engineer the management fee percentage that you would quote. What do we mean by that? Well, let's pretend someone walks in your door and they're giving you a 20-unit building. And they say, hey, what? how much will you charge me to manage this 20-unit building? Your response needs to say, well, I don't know until I see the financial metrics of the portfolio. Because if these 20 units are renting for $800 a month and they're 45, they're 100 years old and they're dilapidated versus these 20 units are renting for $2,000 a month and they're brand new high-end construction, my management fee is going to be vastly different. So I need to see the financials, Mr. Owner Client. And they say, oh, well, just give me a ballpark. And then you say, I'm, I'm sorry, until I have some financial metrics, it wouldn't be anywhere nearly accurate as it needs to be for me to quote you. I need to see the financial metrics. And you can just say, like, tell me how what's your occupancy percentage, what's your vacancy percentage, what's the average rent. That's all you need, really. You don't need to get all technical. But then here's what you're going to do you're going to back into the management fee percentage that you're going to charge. 
based upon how many dollar bills you want to receive every month for the management of the property. Does that make sense? I hope so. So you're going to look at that property and you're going to say, gosh, this thing looks like it's a fair amount of work. You know, and so you know what? I want to make sure I make a minimum of $1,000 a month for this 15 unit building. Like I, I need to make $1,000 a month. I just, I wouldn't touch this for less than $1,000 a month. I'm guessing I'm gonna put that much effort in that I need a thousand bucks. Okay, no problem. What percentage of the current rent roll equals $1,000? If it's 4%, then your management fee is 4%. If it's 10%, then your management fee is 10%. You quote whatever percentage you need in order to generate the dollars, bills necessary to make it worth it while to manage that property. Very simple. Hopefully that doesn't sound too complicated. That's the way you back into that. Now, you also have a leasing fee potentially. Maybe you've got some marketing expenses. But typically, the multifamilies, the bigger they are, the more you need to structure them in such a way that the owner of the property is paying all of the property expenses. You're not you as a PM are not paying property expenses. You're not paying marketing, typically. You're not paying for the website marketing. All those are paid by the owner, but then your management fee is a little bit lower because you're not incorporating all those expenses yourself. So multifamily management, just like commercial management, is a different world, very different than residential property management, but it can it can be interesting. It's, it's challenging. It's very challenging. I would rather have 10 single-family homes than a 10-unit complex any day of the week for many reasons. I think multifamily is difficult. It's more babysitting. Uh, you're taking care of common areas. You're taking care of more difficulty. Did I say that twice? Because it's twice as difficult. <laughs> Sometimes I make myself laugh. Okay, next question comes from uh, Clarissa, who says, uh, Mark, how do I improve my internal team dynamics? Oof, wow, that's a that's a big question, <laughs> Clarissa. How do we improve our internal team dynamics? That That is something we will have to do a full podcast episode on. But the short answer is this. Number one, you got to look in the mirror. Look at yourself. Are you the boss that quality people would want to work for? It's got to start there because if you're not doing a good job of attracting talent and managing that talent and retaining that talent, then you're not doing a good job, period. Your job as a boss is to balance talent retention and talent output. That is the, that is the job of a manager if you boil everything down. You need output balanced with retention. So for example, you could say, you know what? I need more output financially and I need more output in our metrics. Hey, everybody, I'm cutting your pay by 25%. Yes, that'll get me a lot more output in my financials. And um, no more lunches, no more breaks, and I'm requiring you to work an extra hour and uh, we're going to double down. No more talking. I need more output. You say, oh, this is brilliant. I'm cutting the expenditures of my company and I'm increasing the output. Why didn't I think of this before? Brilliant. And it will work for about three weeks. And then what will happen? The individuals will start quitting and they'll start leaving because they don't wanna work for a slave driver like that who's just gonna be mean and just just be mean to these people. So they're going to leave you at that point in time. And so therefore you violated the other side of the coin, which is retention of quality people. 
you've got to make sure you're always having those things in balance. And if you can go too far in either direction, if your people never leave you because you're overpaying them and you have a cushy job and they don't have to produce, then you're then you've swung the pendulum too far in that direction. So that's a, that's one filter to look at. That look at the quality of the people you have. And here's a question you can always ask when you're determining if somebody is a good fit for your company. If they quit today, what would be your reaction? Like, would you truly be like, oh my gosh, how can I go on without them? Then they're a quality person, keep them around. If you're thinking, oh, that would be such a relief. If they quit today, I would breathe a big sigh of relief. Well, that probably means you need to have a hard conversation with them and consider letting them go because they're no longer a good fit for the position that's necessary. So that's you, right? That's you looking in at you. Now, once you've looked in at you, you've got to look out at your team, determine if they're a good fit or not. And then to improve the team dynamics, I think too many times most companies try to make this too fluffy. Right? Like, oh, we just we need to have a, a, a game night. That'll improve our team dynamics. Maybe maybe we should take everybody out for dinner. Oh, th that'll make them love each other. You know what? We'll... Uh, We'll give out a gift card to whoever remembers everyone else's birthday at the next meeting. And those are all fluffy little silly things. They're not bad, but that's not going to improve team dynamics. What improves team dynamics is getting the best people you can get, number one. Number two, giving them clear expectations on what you want from them and then holding them to that expectation. I believe the essence of leadership is three things. You need to bring three things, Clarissa, to your office every day. You need to bring energy, meaning how do you motivate your people? You got to keep them motivated. You got to keep them engaged. You got to keep them wanting to work hard for you. And that's going to be done in the macro through the big company. And it's going to be done individually with you knowing your people. So you bring energy. Number two, you bring clarity. Clarity means how do they channel that energy? How? What is their job? How does what they do contribute to the overall success of the company? They need clarity. So energy, clarity. Number three, accountability. And accountability is simply measuring and reporting on success. Or excuse me, measuring and reporting on performance. Energy, clarity, and accountability. Healthy organizations have those three things. Healthy leaders bring those three things. And if an organization is not healthy, it's typically because it's missing one of those three things. Either there's just no energy in the company. Everybody's just a bunch of Eeyores. If you're under the age of 40, you don't know who Eeyore is. Google him. He's a Disney character who was very down all the time. You need energy or maybe you have no clarity. People are running around. They don't know what they're doing. They're stepping on each other's toes. They don't like each other because they have no clarity in their job descriptions and expectations. Or number three, you're missing accountability. If you have those three things in place, your business will be healthy and the team dynamics will work themselves out. You don't focus on team dynamics. You focus on doing the things I'm talking about in the team dynamics will be the result of having energy clarity and accountability in an organization. You got me on my little soapbox there. Clarissa, I hope that helps just a little bit. If you need more help trying to figure out how to run, create your property management company, jump on our website, pmbuild.com. We created that site to help property managers build, grow, and protect their property management companies. That's completely all it's devoted to there. Hundreds of it, hundreds, yeah, actually over a hundred videos we have on there. We've got more things that you can download on there. And if you really want to improve 
the business of your business, check out our opportunity to visit our office. Come out to Denver. Spend two days with me and my team and a very small group of other property managers as we focus on the business side of property management business. You can be a great property manager. Doesn't mean you're going to be good at running and operating a property management company. Jump on pmbuild.com. Go to our events tab, the Visit Grace. Would love to visit with you in my office in Denver. Until next time, my friends, I wish you success.